0: quick come up with something funny to say hello yo oh that's really cool somehow i think you're lying Uh
1: uh-huh oh fail Ah!
2: bad philosophy episode 78 recorded on november 21st 2010
3: big bad tv daddy
1: every welcome in one two bad philosophy episode 78 we're back everybody and uh episode 78 so i guess we should re- be recording this uh on a vinyl record right is that uh, is that correct gentlemen
0: uh, it it would be correct if we were recording on a 78 on a 45 or a 33 it wouldn't make any sense whatsoever
1: Right, and we've already recorded those not on vinyl, so I guess... Uh, not on vinyl. Well, this, this gives us an opportunity to do a very uh, bad philosophical thing, which is be completely inconsistent. So we should just like record it on a record and, and mail it to anybody who, uh, who wants a copy. <laughs> uh, anyways, <clears throat> we what have an episode the, um, to do.
0: What the uh, actual, like, how much audio 78
1: can hold? I don't know. Isn't it, uh, isn't it like half an hour per side? Or is, it, is it less than know. that? Well, anyways, Google uh, Google that, Kevin, while I introduce everybody else. <laughs> okay. we, we've got a good show for you today, y'all. And I swear it's not going to be all about a defunct media format. We've got, uh, for the first time in a while, and actually the first time on Skype ever, uh, Matt Legler. How's it going, man?
2: It's going great. I, I, st- I don't think this is the first time on Skype,
1: man. I... Have you created a new Skype profile? Because I before hey, the show so, here so I had to add Matt. Even,
0: I found out that I do have him in my Skype contacts already. Oh so.
1: well, you know
2: this. This is the fir- Well, this is the uh, whenever I log into Skype, I get the same like New Year's 2000 chat room that opens up automatically. I don't know how to close it. Like, so I've been <laughs> friends with you on Skype since then.
1: Since then, since New <laughs> yeah, Year's <just laughs> like, 2000.
2: It was something like that. Like Y2K, you had a chat room.
1: Okay, I I did one for that. Yeah, that was. I've done the New Year's chat every year for about the past eight years. It's been fun. Uh yeah. and you are all all of you welcome to join. Um, all of you listening and all of you participating in this show. Um but yeah, welcome to the welcome to the show, Matt. You sound amazing, by the way.
2: Well thank you. I love my plantronic headset. <laughs> I I love it.
1: And and as soon as and I, I, I th- say that you go to the, the higher compression ratio on Skype, so now you sound horrible.
2: I just stuck in a little pingy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, uh, also on the show today, Simon Ponder joining us for the, uh, what is it, second week in a row here?
3: <laughs> oh, what? sorry, I was playing with my Pogs. Oh, Pogs. Because <laughs> I just found them and, and I stacked them up and I just hit them with my slammer and it was ec- excellent.
0: What kind of slammer you
3: got? It's, it's like a metal yin-yang. Ooh.
1: I don't know, it was the 90s. I had one not dissimilar from that. So, huh. uh, through some miracle of physics, they would, like, jump up and flip over, if I recall correctly, right?
3: I don't know if that's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure.
1: It's, it's probably just physics. <laughs> it's not just physics, yeah. Uh, um, well, also through a miracle of, of physics of, of some sort, we, uh, we have Kevin Saunders on the show, everybody. So, uh, give him a nice warm welcome.
0: Glad to be back. Glad to be back. Thanks Woo! for being
1: here. I can hear them cheering all the way from across the internet. Boo. Yay! Yay. <laughs> well, with Kids one exception, do not have a
0: lot of music.
1: <laughs> so yeah. uh, I also want to add that uh, I am enjoying a nice tall glass of mead at the moment. Um, it's my first time having this particular drink, and uh, it's quite tasty. I, um, it's apparently made from what fermented honey, something like that.
0: That's a big part of it. Yeah. Okay.
1: Mm. Mm. I don't know. I just it's, uh, it's kind of sweet. It's, it definitely tastes like wine more than anything. Um, I like it. So, anyways, <laughs> enough about alcohol. Yeah, Are I'm any so of y'all interested. drinking? <laughs> yes. So, speaking of television, uh, you know, actually, I can, I can make a, a pretty good segue. I've been let's, watching,
0: let's do it. Go for it.
1: I've been watching Mad Men a lot recently. I'm actually into the second season now. And, uh, that is a television show where there is quite a bit of alcohol consumption, um, have have any of y'all watched it before?
0: I've seen a couple episodes. That's about it
3: though.
1: Okay. Matt, Simon? I haven't watched it. I've
3: watched every episode.
1: You've watched every episode? Yes. Wow. Okay. I, a fan. So, uh without spoilers, what what do you think of the show?
3: <laughs> it's a pretty accurate representation of of the advertising industry in that era. I mean, okay.
1: Can you Less. speak with authority on this, having worked in the advertising era in the, uh, in the 1960s?
3: No, but I mean, there's been <laughs> plenty of, I mean, old prof- you talk to old professors in NASSCOM that used to do that, and that's, you know, they, they drank socially with clients constantly. I mean, part of your job as as, you know, the account manager is to entertain your clients, make them feel wanted, make them feel special it's basically like dating so there's lots of booze
1: <laughs> yeah and uh i mean there's just alcohol everywhere in uh, in the show i mean it's you get to work you start drinking you have a meeting you have a drink you you know get off of work go have a drink uh, get home have a drink with dinner and a beer and you know it's just uh, so it's like europe uh pretty much well but with hard liquor more than anything yeah. Uh, I just okay. I don't know. I and that was that was the best I could do as a segue between alcohol and television. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been particularly enjoying the show. I I think we could do an episode on every single episode of theirs talking about the you know, the, the particular yeah. philosophical and social uh, commentary in in each episode, but it's uh it's definitely it's, it's definitely given me a different perspective on the 1960s than I had before, uh, perhaps a more accurate one, I, I hope a, a more accurate picture than we get through uh, the television shows of the time, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to making it all the way through it.
0: I don't know, the televisions of the time, television shows of the time had some pretty bad stuff as far as like smoking and treatment of women that still come across today.
1: Yeah, that's true, but but you this know, you one kind of lays uh, it out in in, uh, in pretty stark uh, terms.
0: <laughs> well, you know, heck, the uh, was it the honeymooners with the bang zoom straight to the moon? That was you know metaphor for him beating his wife.
1: Oh,
0: and it was a catchphrase. Hmm. It's like you know, one of these days I'm going to hit you. So stop being the way you are. <laughs> that's pretty stark. <laughs>
1: yeah, but... Uh, not only was
0: that, that used, but that it was used for humor.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, okay, so the mis- the misogyny and the... Um, well, I guess maybe not misogyny, but... No, it's misogyny. It's misogyny? Okay. And... They, they believed that women were lesser
0: people and couldn't do the the important things that men could do.
1: Yeah, but misogyny is literally hate of women, so it's not, ah, there's a better word for it, but I forget it at the moment. Anyway, the misogyny, <laughs> we'll just use that for the moment, racism, alcoholism, uh, just blatant cronyism everywhere, um, I guess, so So I guess some of the things that happened around that time make a lot more sense, <laughs> and some of the uh, the motivations for the counterculture as well. Which I'm really enjoying. I don't know. I mean, probably only Simon will appreciate this, but uh, the you know bringing in the beatniks and kind of the the origins of counterculture in the early 1960s. Um, I've just really been enjoying that part, particularly that that subplot. <laughs> but anyways, we won't uh, we won't talk too much more about that for uh, any of our listeners out there who haven't had the chance to uh, experience the epicness of Mad Men. Um, I want to talk in more general on this episode, and I guess I'll just preface it by saying t- TV ratings at the moment suck. And here's why I think so. <laughs> um, fringe, <laughs> which is, is well, one Stephen, of the...
2: Before you get into that, let me just say, you I'll give you three minutes to summarize at the end of the episode, because three minutes is about uh, how much time is available on a 10-inch 78 RPM record.
1: Three minutes? Yeah.
3: yeah. Per side. Three minutes is down per side. Yeah, that's so, right. Because really? used to come with like 10 records in them.
1: Oh, man. Okay, so that's... So dang. assuming
2: you're recording on a record, you have three minutes to get your point across.
1: Well, I won't <laughs> uh, I won't even take that long. Uh, where was I? Yes, TV ratings suck, and here's why. Fringe, which is one of the, the greatest sci-fi shows on television right now, if not the best sci-fi show on, on television, is uh, is recently moving, or has recently been relegated to the uh, Friday Night Death slot, which, uh, as we all know from our, our years of experience with television, the worst time for a show to come on television because everybody is out, you know, it's
3: presumably
1: drinking, doing things on a Friday night, um, not at home watching the TV. Uh,
3: it's not always true.
1: Okay, we'll, we'll yeah. get into that in a second here, but my point being... Uh, it's been moved away from the you know one of the premier primetime slots of television because its ratings are not where Fox apparently wants them to be. Now, Dollhouse premiered in the Friday Night Death slot. It lasted two years, or well, two seasons, not even two years, and before getting canceled. And you know many other television shows have unfortunately gone to this particular time slot to die because of ratings going through the tubes, and as we all know, when a show isn't profitable, it gets pulled or moved or canceled by a network. Uh, but So really today I wanted to kind of talk about, okay, why do we have the TV rating system that we do, what ways are there to do it better, and uh, what are some you know other ideas on the subject? But Simon, you had some, some thoughts on this first.
3: Well, first off, Friday night is, I mean, TGIF, it's been a very competitive night. For years for the networks. Um, okay. They like must see I don't think that's been
0: true recently. Not I recently. I think that used to be the, the case. Well, no, we're it, living very. Like in the 90s, TGI Friday was a big deal on ABC, the comedy block, yes. But the so just way like
3: things. Thursdays was a big deal during the 90s. It's kind of lost its edge a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, weeknights are competitive nights.
0: Um, and I, th- I think that's the case now, more so. Whether or not it was like that previously, okay, well, in the 60s there were three channels. We don't talk about those because the system's changing, which I think is the point Stephen's trying to make, is that yeah. the system, as, as is, has not changed enough to meet his high demands.
1: Well, okay, so here's, here's my beef, and I, I expressed this in a tweet a couple nights ago. Why does such a thing as a, as a death slot even exist in the age of the DVR, when we have the ability to record a show and watch it whenever the hell we please, uh, skip all the commercials, do whatever, but basically enjoy the content at some time other than its live air dates. You know, why do we even care about when a show comes on uh, as much as that it comes on at least once a week at some point? (laughs) It's
2: also the streaming services. Like, I know that my roommate now, and we for the past year, we've been watching TV that's either been streamed from Hulu or another online service, or recorded on his uh, DVR. So, like, uh, th- there's no reason for us to worry about what time something comes on.
1: Yeah. So, so and plus
2: we we can't watch it when it comes on anyway because we're always busy.
1: And and my and your point, Kevin, was was I think uh, a valid one that that I guess DVRs have just not. Penetrated far enough into the into the consumer culture, or that you know, not enough people are watching shows uh, via DVR now. What uh, you know, what what was your rebuttal to that?
0: Well, and I've I've kind of been following this for a while now because um, you can actually follow um, at Sci Fi S Y F Y. It's a guy named Craig who works for Sci Fi, who actually talks about this quite a bit, and okay. and he's given me some insight that I really. I can understand it a little more. I'm not happy about it. I'm, I'm, I think the system is really broken. Um, but he, he kind of explains things in ways that make you say, okay, I get it. I get why it's the way it is. So the way, thing is, is that advertising is king in television. It's the way it is still. Whether or not that's good, bad, that's the way it is. We expect TV to be free. And because we expect it to be free, we want, I mean, we have to put up with advertising for it. Now, the way that advertising is determined is via ratings. And the way ratings are determined is the Nielsen system, which I think we've talked about here and here before, at least a little bit.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, in, in short, uh, Family has a box installed, and they, it basically keeps a record of... A box. It's not always a box. Okay, no, how, it's how, not does, much how much does it much. work?
3: Yeah, some houses get boxes. Some houses get journals. And you're supposed to write down yeah. what you see, or they get the box and it automatically pulls it. Like um, f- literal
1: not, p- pen and paper journals.
3: Right. It, yes. It's not. It's <laughs> oh not every God. market. It's uh, it's the top two hundred
1: markets.
3: In it's the
0: supposedly US? a statistically significant number of people. Yeah. Um, although that's
1: been argued. So, so it's a subset. I mean, we're talking a few thousand, right? People nationwide.
0: No more than a few thousand.
1: Okay, that that basically take down, write down exactly what they watch, and somehow from this statistically significant sample, we get millions of viewers. We get ratings. We get you know all of these stats that determine for everybody else what uh, shows stay and what shows go. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And that just. Okay, so, so, so let's, let's bring the Internet into the equation because it is the 21st century after all. Um, let's, let's talk about, you know, what, what have... Do you all know of, of any efforts on the part of Nielsen or any of the, the television networks to bring kind of the, the newer technologies that are available, like, oh, I don't know, tracking what people are recording on their DVRs uh, into well, the process is, no, of, of there ratings?
0: There is nothing with the Nielsen system um, where they have what's called the um, the rating plus 7 okay and they take into account the live viewers as well as people who watch it on their DVR within 7 days of the initial air
3: date and and the cable companies have the right to to see what you've watched on your DVR or you know what you watch in cable um, it's very expensive so they typically i don't think they do but they do have the ability to you know, snoop into your DVR and see what you've watched.
1: Okay. And and do they use that in any way? I don't know. I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh,
0: not, nothing, nothing I've read um, has indicated that's the case. Um, they are aware of online viewers, stuff from Hulu, things like that. But the, the issue is the ads on Hulu, for example... Don't make as much money as the ones on your TV. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, it's and and because of that, the the ones that the most valuable ads are the live viewer advertising spots um, because that's what has been the most important for a long time because that's what we can measure with the Nielsen rating and and as much as it would be awesome to change to a new system. There has not been a system that everybody would jump on at once.
1: Okay. Uh, and, if, and why? I mean, the, what, what systems have been proposed? I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, what, what options have been have been put well, forward Well, mostly it's table. been
0: proposed by people on the Internet, so, like, not from networks themselves.
1: Yeah. But,
0: you know, it's like, well, you should look at every single viewer. You should figure out a way to do it. You should increase the number of Nielsen boxes in the world. Which
1: okay, I, I understand uh, from the network's perspective that that's impractical to track every single hit, and you really don't need to. I, I I'm understand statistics. You don't need to get ev- every single one. After a certain percentage, you get enough that it's a representative sample. Um, and, and and
3: the boxes don't count as much as the journals. Um, the reason really is. Is how, well, how often do you have the TV on in your house and you're doing something and it's kind of background, but you're not really paying attention to it. Uh, that's why the journals count more, is because people are actually engaged. They're they're watching, they're participating.
0: Of course, the journals have the problem of um, self-reporting. Which yeah, you have to remember to, to statistics write it down. Is a problem. Right, um, and, every, because, and everybody likes
3: PBS because it makes them sound smart.
0: Well, yeah, no, that's, that's something that's actually been documented, is that people want to ha- leave a good impression, and so they they modify their viewing habits in their journals, and they don't actually match what people are watching. Right. Uh, in, in much the same way that, um, and this is kind of a tangential thing, but it's interesting, people claim to hate reality TV. If you ask lots of people... They really do. I mean, that's that's sort of the the reported consensus. Yeah, but those people are also very likely to watch reality TV, Uh, Uh, and and no, it it doesn't make sense. But that's the case, and you can you know it's stupid, but Ghost Hunters is still one of the highest rated shows on (laughs) Sci-Fi. Somebody's watching.
1: Somebody shoot me now.
0: People are watching this, stupid or not, they are, and and that's you know based on the systems that we have in place currently. But that's still the case. I mean, they they are apparently watching these shows, even so, if so, they are saying, "I hate." Them.
1: Here's so so. This kind of leads into into my my primary beef, which is what are some ways that we could do this better? Um, some some other ways that we can think about. Engagement. You know what? What does it mean to be engaged with a TV show? It, it's because it, to me it feels like we have in the internet age so many more ways of engaging with this content, with this entertainment, than simply watching the program on television. Um, you know, what, one of the things I've done watching Fringe is uh, to follow the hashtag, you know, hash Fringe or #hashfringeso2eo whatever um and see all the comments that people are making on the episode in real time that's one of the that's one of the only reasons if not the only reason why I would ever watch the show live is to kind of see this this conversation growing up around the episode so that to me is an engagement of a sort that you can't really track through the traditional methods well,
0: well how do you how do you track that at all how do you measure what that means in a number that comes down to money
1: <sighs> it, okay so Maybe it's a little bit difficult, but um, you know, h- how about following that hashtag and directing people to, I don't know, you know a discount on the on the previous season DVDs or, or something like that. Um, you know, directing specifically to those people the the products that you're trying to sell, rather than kind of doing the scatter shot approach, which is. Well, we see that the demographic for fringe is generally the 18 to 34 generation, and we know that they tend to like Coca-Cola and uh, probably not Viagra yet, but potentially, uh, you know, things like that. I mean, those, those just seem like such wasteful methods of directing advertising
2: that's funny because I always feel like when I'm watching TV that I'm watching the wrong show because I'm sitting there and a commercial comes on for a hover round or something. And I'm just like, someone (laughs) somewhere messed up.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I get that feeling too. Like when I see a Cialis ad, I'm like, Hmm, well, (laughs) uh, you know, I guess I'll keep that in mind in 40 years, but you know, and and that's the thing. Like nobody wants to see advertisements that are irrelevant to them. Um, kind of I don't really ever want to see advertisements that are even relevant to me I but that's that's just my own quirk
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know the advertisements for you know like Seattleists or stuff like that they don't really target in on 18 to 24 demographic or anything Not like exactly. that they just buy they they buy a ad space and they'll say well we want it to you know to show up 10 times between 2 p.m. and 10 p.m.
1: But isn't it more okay. profitable for them to spend money on on show, running their ads during shows where their target demographic is going to be watching? Like, oh, I don't know, Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy uh, rather than Well, they do. If you watch
0: Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, those commercials are on there. But there's a limited number of spaces that a commercial can run in a certain period of time.
1: So... For right. them, it's just, so, like, long-tail advertising then. They, like, they like try to catch the, the savvy 60-something that's watching Fringe then with the rest of it. I, I, you know, so we're kind of on to a different thing now, which is, you know, relevance of advertising to the demographic, which, to me, seems like something so much easier to achieve through Internet advertising, uh, I mean, well, Hulu is. is doing exactly that, that's this. That uh, is every, every Hulu ad comes but up with a little... the price
3: point doesn't match up yet.
1: Yeah. Those aren't as valuable. And, and why do you think that is? I mean, are more people watching live television than, than we imagine?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: <sighs> they are. I mean, it's,
0: it's, it's the, the case, Stephen is that the majority of people still watch shows on their TV live. What and, and
1: why do you think that is? I mean, have we just been trained to do that for sixty years so people don't don't well, want to change?
3: No, but I mean it's like that it's like that article that showed up on TechCrunch that I guess two weeks ago after they got bought by AOL and they had their first link on the AOL homepage, they got millions of page views. <laughs> It's because people still use AOL. It's oh, still my relevant, God. It's that, still well, an <laughs> elephant product to millions of people.
1: Actually, ironically enough, I, I do have AOL to thank at least in part for my um, YouTube video fame for my ASL songs. Because AOL's uh, Pop Eater, which is their like pop news affiliate, whatever, uh, linked to one of my videos. And, and that's what... Basically spurred my uh, my initial fame. So, uh-huh. and that I as much as I'm okay with that, I guess I'm also sort of frustrated because I got an influx of these people that didn't they hadn't watched my back catalog. They didn't really know what I was coming from. They had no context for for any of this. A lot of them didn't even have any uh, any idea what American Sign Language was, and were as a result, not able to appreciate it fully, I think, than than the folks who had like watched me from the beginning had seen the Jonathan Colton stuff. And I feel like it's sort of that way with with Fringe. You know, you get if that you put it on these on these wide broadcast channels, you're getting people who don't have the context, who are just watching for for the pure entertainment value. But the folks who are going to watch online are the ones who've followed it, they've they bought the DVDs, you know they've watched every single episode, they're, they're keeping up with it, and they're engaged in all the different other realms. So, so it seems like we have a question of quality over quantity here. How can you target those quality viewers who are actually engaged with your content versus just the, the pure numbers that are watching it because it's what's on?
3: They're doing that now with, put it, by putting them up on Hulu.
1: Okay, problem but is, he said that's not as valuable.
3: They're not, not going to make as much money, and money is what produces the wheels. Money is what produces the shows.
1: Okay, so I I, I have a question for y'all. Then what what would you what would be something that you want to see? Um, you know, some sort of a means to support the shows that you want financially. Like, how do you how do you want to go from I'm watching this, therefore I hope that somebody sees that I'm watching this and sells ads for this TV show to, um, I want to actively indicate that this is valuable content to me.
0: You get as many people as you can to watch it and hope one of them has a Nielsen box.
1: (laughs) No, (laughs) Kevin. (laughs) Think outside the Nielsen box.
0: (laughs) That's the way to keep a show alive, though. though. That's the way Ah. the system is in place right now. No, no. Let's, and, okay, let's forget and that. And you though. can't change the system because if everyone starts watching it online, and you go look at all these online viewers, the system, the the, the networks are going to go. Yeah, but nobody's watching it on TV, and that's where we're making our money. So let's put something there that people won't watch.
1: Okay, I, on I know. TV. I know what the problem is. We've been talking about that, Kevin. But <laughs> but just indulge me for a second. Like, forget everything that, okay. that is in place right now. In an ideal world, how would you support the content, like financially support the content that you want to see on television? Steven? I go go ahead, just, Matt.
2: Okay, um, think. Let's let's say we have TV inside Utopia. Here's what I see. <laughs> just like Apple, Apple wants an in-app purchase. So you're playing a game on your iPod or your iPod Touch or your iPhone or whatever your iPad, whatever. You see something in the game, you buy it. Whether it it is uh, part of your game or an advertisement in the game, it's all part of the game. Now let's take that to T V. Let's say I'm watching oh, uh, you know, the latest episode of How I Met Your Mother and they've got a drink on there, whether it's Coke or alcohol or whatever it is, I see it, I want one, I touch it, I get it. It shows up at my house somehow. Or <laughs> I am watching and I, I see the uh, uh, I, I hear music playing in the background, like in the lobby of the coffee shop or in the inside the bar where I'm watching these people. I wanna know what that song is. Well I can just tap or something on my remote that says, I want to know what that song is, and I can buy it in iTunes right there. I think in-app, or not in-app, but in-tv purchase could be cool in the future.
1: Okay, so like being able to, to directly, it's instant gratification. You want, to, you want to see an advertisement for something, you know, right. I, so I see some, some a new product on there.
2: If a 13-year-old can come along and figure out a great way to get a Coca-Cola instantly from the manufacturer to my front door when I want it, and i touch it on the TV then that advertising model would be perfect in utopia.
1: Well, okay, so products are hard. I mean, products are physical objects that you have to move from point A to point B, but services are easy. I mean, that's one thing that the the internet has revolutionized. But, but what, what kind gets more
2: of advertising on TV your <clears throat> services or your actual products that you consume? Or, well, it's you know, far
1: you... more products and that's that's what kind of torques me off is the they're advertising products on television more than anything. Uh, whereas services are something that you can you can instantly get. You know, if I see an ad for Rhapsody, I want to be able to, to go, oh, that's pretty cool. I want to sign up for Rhapsody instantly. You know, give me, give me a link for that. And, and I want to, but, but, okay, that, that's one level of it. But how do I know that that Rhapsody purchase that I'm making while I'm watching Fringe is directly going to keeping Fringe on the air? You know, wh- where do I get my return on investment? Is, and that, that's kind of what I'm mm-hmm. trying to get at. So how do, we, how do we make that direct link, or at least make it more direct?
3: The problem is, Stephen, you're only thinking of yourself in this, in this situation. You're only thinking <laughs> of about, course I, I want to keep fringe on the air. The problem is, you know, there's several other million people in this country, and they don't like fringe. You have <sighs> Screw <no people>. them!
1: <laughs> you need them. Why do I need that? <laughs> well, okay, but uh, there's something, I don't know, there, there's not anything objectively great about Fringe, but it's, it's kind of a, you know, look at the medium, look at the shows that came before and after, there's this, this idea, this, this kind of subjective groupthink that comes about that says Fringe is a great show, greater than, the, you know, it has value above and beyond the value that it's being given by Fox. So how do you correct that value discrepancy?
0: Well, no, St- Stephen, the way value works is and, – and you don't like this, I'm sure, because, again, it's all about you. <laughs> the way value works is what people are willing to pay for it. Okay. That's what so, value is. Value so is not I'm an intrinsic to... thing. And so if X number of people are watching it, if 10 million people are watching it on a weekly basis – that has been determined because an, ad, an advertiser said, well, I want 10 million people to see my ad and I'll pay you a zillion dollars for it. But if half, that, if that number gets cut in half, then the advertiser will say, well, I'm not going to pay you as much for those ads. I'm going to pay you half a zillion dollars. So you, you can't just say the shows I want to succeed because I think they're the best will, will make them worth more.
1: Okay, let's let's take advertising out of it for a second because I I think we're we're still and, okay, It'd be and, wonderful. And you could. But you say can't, that. You say that. But look, funny. it's been that way for sixty years with television, to, more than that, you know, since the birth of television. But we have a chance to go beyond that. You know, it's it's always been that case because making shows is super expensive. Making shows is not as expensive anymore. I mean, look at Doctor Horrible. Look at the Guild. They're making these shows for a fraction of the the production costs of broadcast television. Right. And But none and of their as a result,
3: are, are part of the union. See, there's there's you know screen actors yeah. Blame Guild. Blame the unions, has... please. <laughs> Blame <laughs> the unions. That's what I'm saying. I, I, there's there's minimum payments you have to make on things. There's you know all sorts of you know security that you have to pay for to you know close down the Why?
1: Why? Why? Why is it? Does it have to be this way? That's that's what I'm yeah, kind of asking. Okay, here.
3: let's say you're shutting down a city street to, to shoot something. You've got to pay police officers to you know keep the public out because you know let's say you're doing explode, little explosions. People could get hurt, so you need to have security on board. You you know you have to coordinate several different uh, you know cameramen. Uh, you know there has to be some sort of medical staff on duty. There's, there's a lot of stuff, and all that stuff costs money. Plus, then you have the actors who, well, if you're on a local network, you get paid a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the top paid actors are NBC, CBS, Fox, and that other little... So the bastard. top
0: ones right now are Charlie Sheen and uh, the guy that plays Alan on Two and a Half Men.
3: Right. I mean, they but make they're, too they're, much money. But they're on local networks, right? I mean They're only yes. in like $2 million an episode. I think the people from Friends... It's about that, yeah. Two million an episode towards the end. That costs a lot of money, and if you're, you know, Fox and you're paying, let's just say you're paying five hundred thousand dollars an episode to the main stars, you're going to want some return on that. Yeah. <sighs> and if Fringe isn't getting the return that they're wanting, it gets cut. <laughs>
1: You you sound um, maniacally happy about this, Kevin. Well, no, I'm just...
0: It's a situation that, like... I mean, Simon's doing a very good job of of explaining how broken the system is and how how deep-seated this brokenness goes. And you cannot change... A system, as much as... Because I agree with you so much, Stephen, on so many of these things. I feel your pain. Yeah. I'm right there with you.
1: Oh, I mean, because you, you and I went but through it with Dollhouse. We did. I mean, we, we did it with, with Firefly before that. Well, I mean, there's we, a thing
0: we... called the Firefly effect now, where yeah. people won't watch a good show because they're afraid it will get canceled. And yeah. that leads yeah. it to getting
3: canceled. But then again, there's also, you know, the Family Guy and Futurama effect, where it, it got canceled repeatedly when the syndication did great in syndication, and suddenly it's back.
1: Yeah, but how's yeah. the new Futurama doing?
0: I think it's doing uh, in a well. rating standpoint or a creative standpoint? Both. Ratings, it's on Comedy Central, so it's not going to make as much money because it's going to have fewer people. From a creative standpoint, they've managed to do fairly well with what I expect is probably less money.
3: Yeah. And, you know, Family Guy, Family Guy was canceled twice. And its original run it was canceled, and then you know, the fans were upset. They brought it back. They canceled it again, and now it's doing fantastic ratings. But... Well, DVD sales putting it, it was on Cartoon Network for two or three years, and that okay. helped the DVD sales. Which well, well, now it even has a show. spinoff,
1: right? Like the Cleveland show is—is is that actually a what? show? It is, it's and it terrible. is a
0: full spinoff. <laughs> well, they're all terrible, Simon. So that's not saying much. Yeah, I mean, how- Family Guy, American Dad, and Cleveland Show are all terrible. I'm on the record saying it.
1: I, how does such a thing like that even get greenlit? Is is my my confusion in this? Because people watch it. I. Mm-hmm. Oh.
3: That's that's exactly right. People spent money. People bought the DVDs.
1: Yeah. Well, that'll be a mistake. Um, but, so, but then
3: again, the group mentality rules television.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's and it's sort of like democracy. I mean, yeah, one vote counts, but the percentage to which it counts is so negligible that you might not as even count for for all intents and purposes. You know, you may be really passionate about a certain candidate, but you know, the only thing the only thing we can do is vote with viewership. And actually, when you watch mm-hmm. a show, like when I watch a show, that doesn't even that doesn't register that that's what what basically torques me off the most is it's not me it's another person who determines this and that's i again i know statistical sampling whatever it's somehow through the magic of of numbers it all works out uh you know my my contribution is somehow factored into the equation because of some ethereal whatever but you know we, and, because because we have the ability because we have the internet, because we have freaking the power of google uh to to collect and track all of that activity, I should have a way for my you know my one view to count and at least be satisfied that i that that's been uh recorded somewhere
3: and and then you've got to factor in you know the advertisers the advertiser could say. I don't want to pay for you know. I don't want my advertisement to show up on Fringe. Done. Yeah. If enough advertisers say they don't want their their you know ad on a show, that'll kill the show.
0: And it has in the past. It, it yeah, it certainly has. Well, then you say, well, and it's it's unfortunately it's a bit of a of a self fulfilling prophecy to the extent that if a show's not getting enough ratings. They're not going to want to put as much money into it. The advertisers aren't, which means that it won't get as prominent a position, which means it won't get as good ratings, and so on and so forth.
1: Yep. It's a differential it's, equation.
2: Sure.
1: sure it is. It's I mean that that's whenever you have like a recursion path like that where the, the change itself causes a change, that's it's a differential equation. And I'm I'm sure I in some it a spiral of shame. <laughs> a spiral of shame. That works too. But uh, I mean, I'm sure I don't I don't know if it's ever gone over in undergrad uh, advertising or mass comm, but I'm sure there's an equation somewhere in some book that uh, has the relationship between ratings and advertising revenue and uh, and viewership, you know, and relates those three variables and shows you why shows fail or succeed and which factors have to be high for that to, to be the case.
3: The only formula I remember was CPM, which stands for cost per thousand.
1: Yeah, and but that's the M stands for a thousand. Yeah, yeah. cost per mill. You know,
3: it's metric or whatever. Uh, okay, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you.
1: It's still weird. CP, yeah, I know. I saw that too when I when I was looking into advertising revenue for Bad Philosophy, which which basically would say that like every four or five episodes, we would get a dollar. <laughs>
3: Something like that. Yeah, that's a really we... high CPM.
1: Really? <laughs> One dollar $1 per, per thousand?
2: <laughs> well, I think we should target our audience out in Scandinavia. Uh, Are we still big in Scandinavia?
1: No, we're not. We're not big in Scandinavia I don't think we've been, been in
0: Scandinavia for a while, Steve. <laughs> or, <nah. laughs> well, I haven't no. been here in a
2: while.
1: we uh, Clearly. I don't even know. I I haven't checked our numbers in like six months, so I don't even know where we stand. We're we're basically talking into a void for all I know, but uh, we're having a lot Uh, of fun doing it. (laughs) Speaking of numbers,
2: I found some really funny numbers. I was looking at a Nielsen Weyer online article um, from back in September, so fairly recently, and uh, they did something funny. They they have all the statistics listed for the future trends in U.S. households related to uh, uh, consuming entertainment, and uh, one of the topics that they, or one of the items on here, is digital video recorders, otherwise known as the DVR. Uh-huh. And uh, I looked at it, and it says that uh, right now, 40% of U.S. homes currently have a DVR device, and this is up 14.5% uh, from Q1 to Q2 of 2010. Now, what's funny about this is that the way they got their sample of a, a, a tiny. Thirteen hundred and seventy-two households was done through telephone interviews. Oh my God! So I think it's God. funny that th- they're counting DVRs in America based on thirteen hundred telephone calls. <sighs>
0: Again, it's... not atypical for statistic gathering purposes. Why
1: right. the hell are cool, we still but... using this system? This, this just oh.
3: because there are laws in place that say how you're allowed to contact and how you're allowed to gather this information.
1: Oh my god! And until
3: the laws catch up, you go with the old method. So
1: I... blame the unions
0: and the government.
1: Yeah, this is this is one of the reasons why I want to get into government. But I have a feeling like I'm I'll growing right up back. with. <laughs> I'm growing up Steven, with a generation of people. Yeah, what what's up, Kevin? The
0: past seventy-seven episodes of bad philosophy will prove you will never succeed in government. <laughs> There's too much stuff I can pull out of this. Damn it. And just drag up
1: and be like, He said this. He said this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but here's the thing though, like we live in public these days. Like it's a very it's a very different world, and the kind of people that are gonna be voting for me. Uh, or that will potentially vote for me, are not going to be the folks who are concerned about, oh, he said something on the internet 15 years ago. Because, hell, half of them are probably going to have been from 4chan, for crying out loud. Now that, I tell you what, if 4chan ever got involved in in actual like real-world politics, that could be a powerful movement. And they already have. But, you know, anyways, I don't even want to think about what kind of a government 4chan would start (laughs) up. (laughs) Anyways, um so I kind of want to use the the last few minutes of the show here before Kevin has to uh bug out to uh to look at our form spring questions of which we have quite a few right now. Um Kevin, are you logged in right now? Um no, but I can be. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and uh, go and pop on over there. I'm just going to take a brief yeah, look been, through everything. Um uh, I've been
0: answering them somewhat regularly, but
1: Oh, I love this one. I think it's a perfect one for this uh, this particular gathering of panelists. F- historically speaking, who have been the biggest whiners in philosophy? Um,
0: Stephen Torrance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, uh, okay. That much of no, um, I
0: don't, and, and I don't actually know any famous philosophers. No, so here's the deal.
1: Weird. And I actually misread this. I apologize. Um, I blame the mead. But I, the first time I read this, I thought it was, historically speaking, who have been the biggest whiners in bad philosophy? Which, you know, like in the history <laughs> of our show. So, After yeah, the three years we've been doing it? Yeah. Um, I think that's a more interesting question. So let's just go ahead and answer that one and pretend that that was the original <laughs> question. Um, <laughs> who, have been the, who have been the biggest whiners that we've had oh, on hold the on. show? Hey, y'all?
0: What? It up. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Um, the biggest whiners we've had on the show. Jed. Yeah. Uh, Jed? Jed? Jed's kind of a whiner. Jed <laughs> yeah. and I whine yeah, to you.
1: get Steven to do things. I think
0: I Jed think wants Kevin, those
2: you... darn kids to get off his lawn. I, yeah.
1: I, would, I would agree with your answer, Kevin, that, that uh, I have been one of the biggest whiners. Today I've done my, my fair share of whining, so I think I've lived up to my, uh, my reputation. Yeah, but you have
3: too.
1: <laughs> I do. Uh, but aside from me, who have been some of the biggest whiners on this show? Now I'm trying to remember who we've had on this show. <laughs> um, gosh. Yeah, Let's move on to the much. next question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here's, a, here's an easy one to answer. Formspring is awesome, don't you think? Exclamation point no. question mark.
0: No? Wait, did they use an interrobang?
3: I think I wrote that one.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I should probably answer this one, uh, inebriated as I am. Is alcohol the most harmful drug to society? Um, no, did I think that one. Did you? I don't I, I don't see it. I did, but it's not here. That's weird. Strange. Um, I I would say no. I think uh I think McDonald's is the most harmful drug <laughs> to society. McDonald's isn't a drug. Okay, next episode on bad philosophy, we're going to talk about McDonald's. Um, uh, yes, the sir. back. Amazed.
3: I don't know if hasn't railed against the TSA, because uh, yeah. everything that's been going All on.
1: Oh, the TSA. We haven't even talked about the, the TSA. And yeah, their, uh, I'm surprised I haven't railed about it either. They're touchy-feely, whatever. And I think that's proportion. gotten blown way out of proportion because, I mean, I you can it, always opt out of this stuff. Like, it's, it's yeah, not that big Yeah, but if you opt deal. out,
2: you get groped. That's the thing.
1: Yeah, and you uh, make them, this, they talked about this on Twitter. you make them do it in public. Like you say, no, I don't want to go behind the screen. I that, want you to stick your hand down my pants in front okay, of all Steven, these people. You're,
0: you're really about to open a big can of Kevin rant. Oh and boy! I have to leave in about two minutes, and so we have to save this for another episode. So I apologize, okay. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut you off, man.
1: I'll in a future episode, if
3: we get everybody in the line to, to, to agree not to do the body scan, they won't do the grow.
1: <laughs> um, Simon, I just want to say I think your microphone is messed up somehow. You're, you right. sound like you're speaking through water, and I'm hearing a bunch of interference. Right.
3: I was pooping.
1: You were what? I was pooping. Oh, <laughs> is it? Is Again. that two? I think that's two weeks in a row that we've we've that had is. that now. God damn <laughs> it! <laughs> Okay, well, anyways, Simon, why don't you just go ahead and stay silent until you flush? Um,
3: Uh, I I left and came back.
1: Okay. Um, We have another one. Uh, Why do we use God to fill in the answers we don't know? Or, uh, sorry, answers. (coughs) (laughs) Uh, It it was was misspelled in the uh, question. It was, it was. Uh,
2: At least you're reading it honestly.
1: Yeah, answers. Um... Yeah, I'm going to also just pass on that one for now, because that's kind of begging the question there. Um, Which,
0: I like this one. Which Greek ancient philosopher do you think has the coolest name? Um, Plato. My, my answer is uh, Aristophanes. He wasn't actually a philosopher, but I really like saying Aristophanes.
1: Dude, Archimedes, because it has mead. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, seriously, who is rubbing against their microphone <laughs> right now? Not me. Not me. My it's not definitely me. you, Simon. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's definitely you. Something it's definitely has changed. be called out. Because you sound weird, and I'm just going to use that to uh, to go by the rest. Yeah, it's definitely right. Simon. Anyways, Kevin, thank you for, for coming on the show. Um, sorry you had Always to leave early. It's
0: okay. It is. <laughs>
1: I enjoyed it. <laughs> and yeah, you can uh, put the
0: whole thing on an LP, or an 87, 78. Or you know, something, yeah, yeah, or, or shortage, an
1: 878, yeah. or 457, or whatever.
0: All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feel free to keep talking without me. It's never stopped you before.
1: No, it it definitely... It, Simon, that really wasn't necessary. What? <laughs> it really, you just added... <laughs> Simon just added another question to our form screen. <laughs> saying, I was pooping.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> On that note, I'm heading out. Um, but y'all have a good evening. You too. You Bye, too. Kevin. Yeah, I
1: gotta... Bye. It. So, okay. Probably, um, I... I would say this is a good point to uh, to go ahead and wrap up the episode. So, um, Matt Simon, thank you for for coming on the show. Uh, thank you. I I know it's kind of impossible for us to solve all the world's problems uh, in the time span we have here, but uh, you know we we certainly do give it a good effort, and I, I appreciate y'all go- coming in to to help out with that. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> Matt Simon, yes, I sir. cannot I cannot hear a single word you're saying. It sounds like you're just mumbling underwater. I Matt. think he
2: sounds more like he's under a pillow
1: under a pillow yeah Are you, Simon is somebody smothering you <laughs>
2: I think that was a yes
1: yeah I think it was too
2: um,
1: but Matt, uh, I was looking can... at, Form,
2: at, at Form Spring and uh, there was that question about where Matt had gone and disappeared to and you mentioned that you saw me in Austin I thought that was rather ironic that you happened to run into me really much, pretty much by accident when they asked yeah. that question
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was good timing it was really good timing but uh, yeah, I'm glad matt, you
2: finally found me again
1: yeah i, I want to say to our our listeners here uh, matt recently uh, he showed up in the Apple store randomly uh, and happened to time it perfectly to where i was i was <laughs> done with the transaction and then he walked in with his whole family, so I was able to uh help get him set up with everything and uh, I understand you got a new iPhone out of the the deal right matt
2: i i did i they had pretty i just talked to the a second level customer support guy at Apple, and he said that he figured they would replace my phone, but uh, he didn't know for sure, and he couldn't guarantee me anything. Okay. And I said, "Listen, I- I'm driving 400 miles tomorrow to get a new phone," and he said, "I can't promise you anything." So that's what I told you know you guys at the store when I walked in, and I guess someone listened.
1: That's great. Well, it's uh, <laughs> it's always good to hear a um, a success story when when those uh, those things do happen. So, anyways,
2: sure, I love my iPhone.
1: Yeah, and we we love helping you out with it. I I say okay, I it's not speaking in official capacity, but I I love doing what I can. Um there you go. I
2: appreciate that.
1: Yeah. And and Stephen, you were helpful. Yeah. I I'm I'm glad to to hear that. So, uh Simon, what are you mumbling? <laughs> yeah, his microphone is definitely dead. I can't I can't understand a word he's saying anymore.
2: Go change your CMOS battery and your motherboard on your microphone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks for that, Matt. Um, sure where can thing. Folks, where can folks find you on the uh, the wide world of the internet?
2: Oh, I'm still hanging out on twitter.com/legmar. Uh, okay. Legmar.com is in the process of being revamped, so there's nothing there right now. But we'll see how long it takes me to actually get something there.
1: Okay. And uh, Simon, if you can mumble it out, where can folks find you on the uh, the wide world of the internet? Uh, yeah, sort of. Uh, Okay, that, that's Simonponder.net and twittercom slash We'll uh, we'll figure it out what's sounds, going on with Simon's like microphone the, in a bit here.
2: He's the Charlie Brown guy going na 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 na. Twitter.com/slashlanier.
1: Yeah.
3: What
1: he said. That's that's wah, wap 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 to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for listening to this show. Uh, I hope you do start watching Fringe or something that you enjoy. And, uh, and maybe cause a little bit of a change to happen in the TV industry, even if we, uh, we lowly philosophers can't. Uh, feel free to, to leave us a question uh, at any time on our, uh, our website, formspring.com/slash formspring.me slash badphilosophy. You can also get there from our main website, badphilosophy.com. And uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash badphilosophy. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
3: Here's the thing, I have eight sets of headsets. <laughs> eight. I don't know where of them are.
1: What? what the hell? Come on. <laughs>
3: but I found my Pogs. So <laughs> yeah, oh, Pogs.
1: wow. There is hope in the world.
0: Should I chug my mead? You can do whatever you want with your mead, man.
1: I don't, I don't think I want I to chug it, but I'll take a nice good swill here. Swig? swig or swill swig. Swig.
0: swig 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 swill swig swill is the liquid itself
1: right i'll take a swig of this swill okay and so the swill it. has it's certain swell.
0: negative connotations so if you don't like it then it's swill but if you no, don't do like, like it, it. Swill, then it's not swill
1: so i'll take a swig of this swell swill
2: there you go no okay badphilosophy.com
3: stop it